0: this is kaiju transmissions uh i am Kyle Bird and with me is uh our co-host
1: Matt Parmley I'm I'm sick
0: uh <laughs> yes who sounds <laughs> like he's dying um and tis the season matt la, la 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 yeah tis the season um so uh it's christmas time and hopefully everyone has uh, uh, gotten their Christmas shopping done. Uh, didn't lose too much money doing it. Uh, I know I now have people to buy presents for. It is an adjustment. Uh, and
1: you you say that like you, you've never bought gifts and you you never had people to buy things for.
0: Yeah. You know, I mean, it's like, okay, I get my mom a gift I get my brother a gift, but now there's like a, you know, I mean, I got a, 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 a live-in girlfriend and a and three-year-old. I gotta, you know, I got, I, you know, I want, I want, I want people to have a nice Christmas, man. You know, and my my wallet is like empty now,
1: like so. <sighs> so if I were to be like, you know, a roommate, you would buy things for me because I can come up there and stay with you for a few days. during No, nah, man, I ain't getting you nothing, man. <laughs>
0: You're just gonna want want a bunch of Godzilla toys.
1: I mean, I would I would settle for that, sure.
0: <laughs> um, uh, so. Before we get started, um, uh, please rate us on iTunes. Email us at kaijutransmissions at gmail.com. We love reading fan mail. We just don't get enough of it. Um, And uh, uh, follow us on Facebook and the Twitters at kt underscore podcast. Um, And uh, yeah, talk to us. We want to talk to you. We want to be your friend, you know? I mean... (laughs) Uh, for, for as many of you guys follow us on Facebook, you know, I mean, you can listen to us a little more, um, if our download stats are anything to be believed. Uh, so, so yeah, we want to hear from you. And, uh, speaking of Matt, uh, I, I think this is where, um, I'll, I'll let you get into your little, uh, because this is your, uh, brainchild here. Um, what, what, what can you tell people about, uh, um. Our, our campaign for listener participation.
1: <laughs> so uh, we would love to have one of you, our faithful listeners, come on the show and uh, pick a topic of your choosing. Um, the caveat there is you have to pick something that we have not talked about yet, but pick something that you would love to come on and talk about. You'll come on an episode, you'll record it with us, and we're going to put it on for everybody else to hear. Um, and the way that you can be selected for this, this is a fan contest. So you go to Twitter, you uh, pick an episode that you like, you share it on your personal Twitter, Twitter feed, or you go on Facebook, you share an episode that you like, and then you email us, all right, at kaijutransmissions at gmail.com, a list of topics. And then the winner will be randomly selected uh, probably in February, and uh, we will announce that during a February episode we'll probably record that sometime in late February. All right? So, get it, got it. Everybody cool kosher with that? Yes, we we are putting the podcast in your
0: hands, listener. We're literally at your mercy. Yes. Uh uh so yes, be a part of it. Um uh so um before we start talking Christmas um Matt, uh, a a trailer came out for a certain dinosaur-related film uh, to be released in 2018. Do you know what that is?
1: Um, I'm going to guess it was um,
0: Jurassic World. Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, whatever that means. Um, And, you know, uh, I, I am mixed on the Jurassic Park sequels. The first is one of my favorite movies ever, and will always be. Uh, the sequels, uh, are mixed to bad. Um, <laughs> uh, the second one I really only like is kind of a nostalgia thing, uh, and there's some really bad stuff in there. Uh, the third one I don't like in Jurassic World was, I liked it in the theater, but when I watched it again, it was like, ugh. uh, <laughs> <laughs> so um that being said it was like okay Jurassic World you, you you did what you did to to hit the beats of the original remind people what this is all about whatever okay let's 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 do move on do something something else um I ever I mean ever since the ending of Jurassic Park 3 I've felt like they've been teasing dinosaurs invading the civilization with getting off the island and stuff um and then um also the another idea that's been teased over and and over in the last movie and uh different versions of different scripts is dinosaurs being used as weapons um uh so but we're not getting either of those things from from what i can tell we're getting um Uh, The annoying characters from the last movie are trying to get the dinosaurs off of an island uh, that is an active volcano uh, before it blows up. And people are like, yeah, you know, you should probably let them die because they're freaks of nature and genetic mutants and who cares. And they're like, no, we got to save them because they're animals and they're magnificent, blah, blah, blah. Um, nobody really seems to know why the top scientists of the world decided to build a dinosaur theme park on an active volcano. (laughs) Uh, Jeff Goldblum is there for what, what I understand is one scene, uh, where Ian Malcolm is in a courtroom talking about dinosaurs and Goldblum clearly doesn't care. Which is a disappointment because a I was excited to see him come back and ooh they're gonna he's gonna make wisecracks with Chris Pratt it's gonna be great it's gonna be wonderful dude that would have been magnificent but no no we we were deprived of that as well um, and Goldblum even said he's surprised that scene looks like it's even gonna be in the movie um, uh, yeah he's just there to collect his check uh, which is doubly disappointing after how much fun I thought he was in uh, the last Thor movie. Um, and, uh, ultimately, I'm not, I'm, I I just thought, I just thought it was stupid, and I really couldn't believe, I couldn't believe that they hyped up that trailer so much, and that's what they gave us. I just thought it was kind of pathetic, to be honest. I don't like being that guy, because I love dinosaur movies, and I love, you know, I love, I love the original Jurassic Park, but... I just really wish they would take the series back to uh, the hard sci-fi and the moral, you know, ambiguities of science and all that that was in the first one. And none of the sequels did that. And when they attempted to, it was like an afterthought. And I just don't feel like we have had the proper sequel to Jurassic Park Uh, and I mean the, this trailer it looked like a fake Jurassic Park movie like it was like the <laughs> Roland Emmerich version of a Jurassic Park movie yeah, like yeah, it was like yeah. it, it was a dinosaur movie with Jurassic Park in the title is is what the trailer looked like or like it was like the Asylum's Jurassic Park or um it it you know it it kind of bummed me out um Uh, I can't believe that the the most exciting idea they could come up with is they have to get off an island that is going to have a volcano eruption. It just (laughs) is... (laughs) I just... uh, I don't know, man. Uh, How did you feel about it?
1: I think it hit the same beats that we already saw in the the previous Jurassic World and the fact that, hey, look, the T-Rex saves the day again. Yeah, why did they even show that? First of all,
0: first of all, ever since the the first Jurassic Park is the only one where people see like if a T Rex is walking, like you can (laughs) feel it, and and then in all the other movies, he's like sneaking up behind
1: people and stuff. What's up with that? He's Ninja Rex. I I don't. I don't know. He. he, So you have that. Here's the thing: the T Rex got screwed in in Jurassic Park three, and everybody hated that. You know the Spinosaurus thing and, uh... <laughs> Spinosaurus? Spinosaurus, whatever the fuck that thing's called. I don't know, it's just... Whatever whatever that, that, like, that whole... Jurassic Park 3 is a monstrosity of movie making. And I know that I butchered the thing's name, but I, I don't care. But everybody hated that scene, so when Jurassic World came out and appealed to, like, basically redeeming the Tyrannosaurus Rex... It's basically just the the fanfare that all of us wanted. I mean, that's really what it was. And the fact that he teamed up with other dinosaurs to defeat the villain of, of the film, like, that's what people wanted. But then the trailer comes out and kind of does that whole same thing again. So it's a very much literally been there, done that. And then everything else was like Armageddon meets Jurassic Park, where like literally the explosions are going everywhere it looked like Michael Bay threw up on dinosaurs <laughs> that's what this looked like so I mean we're gonna see it I'm sure like we're gonna probably talk about it on the podcast I would imagine at some point so I don't know what to think about it what I did read is that the trailer is taken from the first half of the movie only so I don't know what to make of that well, um, if the second half
0: is like good things they probably should have put some of that in the trailer because that that trailer landed with a thud. Like nobody w- looked at that and was like, "Oh,
1: this is great!" Like everyone looked at it and was like, "What?" I don't. I don't know. Like the the one thing I don't understand though is, hey, but as you said, why would you build a park on an active volcano? <laughs> I don't. That that was the thing that I was just like, why?
0: I don't. And and get off the damn island. <laughs> Stop putting these <laughs> movies on these islands. Also, you know <laughs> also
1: feathers. Please stop arguing about feathers. Just oh my stop. god! Don't even get me going on that. I, stop, <sighs> stop. I don't. I don't want to see dinosaurs with feathers. All right. I I know it's scientifically accurate. I just don't care.
0: Well, if that's not you the, Okay. About.
1: It's it's not what
0: these movies were. And there's an argument that Jurassic Park has somehow been this like. But
1: it's not we symbol both know. of
0: of of accurate paleontology which I mean yeah they had consultants and researchers on the movies but if they thought it was going to be cool they took a lot of liberties velociraptors in real life were like they were like more like the compies, you know the little things they were that, they were small yeah. yeah they were tiny and uh Like the Dilophosaurus didn't spit acid, and I mean, I'm I'm. He didn't even have a frill. There was no. I mean, like it's yeah. And I'm giving examples from the first movie, so right from the get go. I mean, it's not that they didn't take science into consideration, but their ultimate goal was to make a monster movie, and if they thought it would be cooler that the Dilophosaurus had frills and spat acid. Or that if they thought the Raptors would be scarier if they were bigger and, and looked completely different, then that's what they went with because they wanted to make a cool movie. Like, and, and even in the in the movie, in even in Jurassic World, they even say, um, you know, yeah, we we mix all kinds of different DNA with these things. They
1: aren't right. They, they purposely gave themselves an out <laughs> yeah. to basically nix the scientific thing in the butt, and I'm fine with that. Like, but, I get that- but but people are like, oh, it's irresponsible because it's not what? a
0: reflection what? of actual science, and it's like, if
1: you <laughs> if you get if you get your science if you get your science from science fiction movies, <laughs> you're an ass clown <laughs> and you're an
0: idiot. I mean, if if someone wants understand. to make a, a scientifically accurate dinosaur movie with the feathers and all that, like, I mean, great, go ahead and do it, but don't. Pin that responsibility on a series that never made that, like,
1: its mission statement. I'm going to watch Carnosaur and get mad now. I'm no, just dude, is gonna... great. Dude, I love Carnosaur. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, anyway, maybe we should get back in the Christmas movie. Yeah,
0: just... Well, man, you know, people love what... to watch Christmas movies and get into the Christmas spirit. Let me tell you about a movie that will just fill you with Christmas joy, man. <laughs> Would you say that you get blue about Christmas sometime? Uh, I'm dreaming of a blue Christmas, man.
1: <laughs> oh my god, these are the worst puns. <laughs>
0: uh, and I am talking about the, well, at least in the United <sighs> States, relatively obscure Toho science fiction film uh, directed by Kihachi Okamoto. Um... For uh, Godzilla fans listening, Okamoto. Um, well, first of all, he what he is considered like one of the great kind of Japanese directors of that time period, um, uh, and uh, he was a friend of Ashiro Honda. He was at Honda's funeral, um, but uh, Okamoto is actually um, a huge influence on um, Hideki uh, Ano. Um, he made movies like Japan's Longest Day and, um, Battle of Okinawa, which I know is said are like his favorite movies. And, um, hasn't I
1: watched that like 25,000 times? Yeah. like He said he, he's like, <laughs> I've watched it like
0: 500 times. Um, and uh, I, I know, Man. um, I think it was Japan's Longest Day that, uh, structurally Shin Godzilla kind of takes a beat from just in, uh, um, kind of the way the movies put together, um, And I think this movie, I think a lot more people have heard of it rather than have seen it, because uh, in Evangelion, um, the aliens... or uh, Well, they're not really aliens. Well, they are, kind of, but the angels. They bleed blue, um, and that's like their blood type. And uh, that is taken directly from this movie, Blue Christmas, also known as Blood Type Blue, also known as the Blue Stigma. Um... And, uh, so, uh, this is an odd one to summarize because it's got a lot of subplots and side stories. Um, I think I would compare it, the the most simple way to describe it would be that it's a movie in two halves, um... So I think it, I maybe kind of like Full Metal Jacket. Like the the beginning is the boot camp characters and everything, and then the the second part is the soldiers. So uh, basically, the idea of this is there's a worldwide UFO um, sightings, and I guess the, these UFOs give off these rays to where anyone that's around them uh, when they arrive uh, for w- whatever reason it turns their blood blue and the government and really society overall is so panicked by people with blue blood. Um, you know, they don't know if, if it's a mutation, if the alien rays, like, change them, or their physiology. Like, uh, they're really freaked out by it because it's are they infected with something? Um, and it pretty much causes a panic. <clears throat> and um, you start to see... It doesn't take long for the movie to start making World War II parallels, which um seemed kinda like Okamoto's thing was um a lot of World War II post war views in his movies. And this one is interesting because it's all it's really a post-war Japanese movie that's an allegory for the you know, the Jew Jewish people in, in World War Two. Um at one point it's so on the nose that they literally watch stock footage of concentration camps, and and stuff like that. Uh, And, and, you know, Hitler and the Nazis saying anyone with Jew blood needs to be eradicated. Uh, But yeah, everyone's so freaked out by these blue-blooded people that um, they start being taken in by the government and lobotomized and experimented on. They're vivisected, alive. Um, They're sent to concentration camps. And um, all kinds of messed up stuff is done with them. Uh, Although, realistically, you know, just like, you know, Jewish blood, it's, you know, they just have different, they just have blue blood instead of red blood. So, it's just like, you know, Jewish people are the same as anyone else, and Jewish people still bleed red, and these people bleed blue, but they're still the same. Um, So, right there you see a really, it's an allegory for paranoia about people that are different or that aren't, aren't understood. Um, and it, it's kind of a direct allegory to the Holocaust. Um, now, uh, the the first half of the movie is mostly um, following a reporter played by Tatsuya Nakadai, who, if you if you watch a lot of Japanese movies, you know this guy. I think he's probably most famous as uh, the villain in um, Yojimbo. <clears throat> but he's he's been in a lot of Kurosawa stuff though. Um But yeah, so uh he's a reporter um looking for the 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 scientist who um has kind of been shamed away from the public after going on a tirade on TV. Um and this reporter is kinda of tracking him and he's looking for him. he ends up looking for him in France. Um and you know he's just trying to find out more about his research on on the the UFO sightings and the witnesses, um, and that goes on for about half of it, and then it suddenly switches gears to um, a soldier who uh, ha- he falls in love with a woman who it turns out has blue blood and. Um, you know, the, the he's also being ordered to take part in these, um, you know, rounding up the blue bloods and, and sh- killing them and sending them away and everything. Uh, and that's the second half of the movie, which I kind of prefer. I really like the second half more. But uh, in between, there's also some weird, like, side stories. Like, there's one with uh, a rock band called the Humanoids who play a hit song, Blue Christmas. That's what the movie's named after and um they are kind of going around claiming they're aliens and they're just weirdos and they get this actress uh arrested at a party cuz she has marijuana and um i, I don't know it's like that, that there's a lot of that stuff in the first act of the movie yeah,
1: that's a, that's like a conspiracy thing like it gets planted on her and she didn't actually
0: yeah, yeah, and and the the it, it it they get into a lot of like shadowy government conspiracies, like um that they wanna that they ship off a lot of the blue bloods to concentration camps, but they keep a lot of them alive just so they can round them up and kill them and tell the public that they were like staging a takeover, um, even though they weren't. It was just the government's way to kind of make up an excuse to eradicate them, just because they were. It's a movie about paranoia. Um it's a lot like a lot of those 70s movies about paranoia like if you've seen stuff like uh the parallax view or uh Manchurian candidate um it's it's very similar to those in that vein um but yeah it all leads up to Christmas day which is the day that they're supposed to go on a killing spree and and kill all the blue bloods that are that are left uh in the public um and uh yeah it's uh it's not uh the happiest movie <laughs> um uh so um i guess i guess that's that's kind of the synopsis and just kind of a rundown of how the movie works um oh and also one last thing uh relating to okamoto and um godzilla is um the the scientist in Shin Godzilla, like the one that left his papers behind, uh, Goromaki, the sign that was his name. The picture on those, um, like his portrait, is a picture of uh, the director Okamoto. So there's there's some cool trivia too. So um, so Matt, uh, Blue Christmas, uh, did it fill you with Christmas cheer?
1: Dude, this movie is a, a downer.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's a huge downer.
1: Yeah, I mean it it is this movie is um sort of inexplicable in many ways. I I did enjoy it. It's and it, it you're right there's basically like two different things going to it's almost like two different films in many ways like Minami who's the the reporter um he's he, he's he's following all these leads about sort of these encounters that people are having with eventual UFOs that nobody essentially believes and he's realizing that essentially it's like a a conspiracy. The government's covering it up and he realizes that it's true. And then you have the band, the human, you know, the the humanoids um, who also like they go down in in a plane crash, but it's never really explained why. It's just kind of like sort of hinted at in the film that might have been the government's doing because they weren't happy with what they were saying about the aliens. And the aliens are very real. Like there's multiple accounts that there are UFOs, actually, um, basically this, as Bird said, light washes over people and then all of a sudden their blood transforms. So the, the the world, the the governments of the world actually come together and they're trying to find out what's going on with the people and they think there actually is an alien invasion coming, but they don't know why the people's blood is turning blue and they're also trying to find out if the alien invasion is going to happen or not and all this paranoia sort of sets in and Manami's trying to piece all this stuff together and he finds, there's like this one scientist guy that he's trying to track down who figures out all these details behind the blue blood. And there's a a bunch of stuff that happens where this scientist ends up getting abducted and he goes back and forth to the U S and there's a, a bunch of things that happen there. Like there's a lot of conspiracy stuff that sort of, I don't know. I felt that stuff felt, felt flat to me. I don't know about you bird, but it just, it it was all over the place a little bit. And then you have the stuff with Oki, who is the second act of the, of the film and Oki's part of the Japanese government. And Oki's later given the task of, of killing the people that have blue blood. And he falls in love with one of them, which is Saeko. And, um, that's the part of the movie that sort of hits home, right? He's given the task by his commanding officer to kill the girl that he loves. Because they know that he's in a relationship with her, and so he at the last and you know last act of the movie, which is like the last five minutes, they're just showing the soldiers go on this rampage of like murdering people in cold blood in public places, so he walks into her 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 room basically, and she's there's this whole thing where um she's she was telling him a story about she was in a relationship with her first boyfriend and she she knew that he didn't actually love her, and he was supposed to come home to her on Christmas Day, but never showed up. So on Christmas Day, she prepares this huge banquet. She gets all dressed up. He walks in the door with a machine gun and hoses her down, and then he walks back outside, and the government ends up killing Oki. And it's just really harrowing. I mean, it really is. Um, that's the part of the story that, like, man, you're just – you're a wreck after you see that stuff. <laughs> I don't know what, <laughs> what else to say. But all the other conspiracy stuff, it just – the, the aliens kind of hanging out there and never really appearing. I know that's not the, the point of the movie, but because it's there, I don't really know what to do with it. I don't know how you felt about that bird, but I'm kind of curious as to what you, what you thought about the aliens, just like never really showing up, but always um, having a presence.
0: I, I didn't so much mind that, uh, like the aliens are real, but I mean, they don't, you know, they're, they're just in the background. I, my, my bigger issues are, um, I mean it's a, it's a 2 hour and about, it's about 2 hours and 12 minutes and <clears throat> I think if you trim this up a little bit you have you could you have a masterpiece probably it's a very, it's such a artfully done film but yeah it's it's stuff like um a couple of the rabbit holes that Minami goes on um you know when he's in this investigation um, you know you don't really need you don't really need the stuff with the humanoids um like yeah that was that was a rabbit hole it really was like like stuff like that I think if you take out you have a pretty masterful movie um I mean Okamoto's made some great movies, like I said, Japan's longest day did sort of doom um I mean a lot of great films, but this one is kind of a little too long in the in the tooth and a little more convoluted than it needs to be um that that is something that kind of I think comes with the times, and this was made at a time where there where there were a lot of like conspiracy movies that were like that. Like I mentioned a couple of them earlier, um, so I think it's partially that. But but yeah, I mean, I I think if you trimmed up some of that extra stuff, um, you'd have a something a lot better. I I will say that, um, because there's all this other stuff, I think there's some stuff that. I didn't get quite a chance to see as much of as I wanted. For example, Oki um it's not that his relationship with the girl is isn't believable because it is, but you know, we we don't quite see much of like when they first met and you know, you you don't get so much time as much time with them as I would have liked. Um especially Oki's dedication to his job. I mean, if the ending is to be, you know, believed then, you know, he he's he would be torn between his job and, you know, his relationship. And, you know, it, it, he would be very loyal to the cause and his job. But that's not really what we get. So I, I would have liked to see a little bit more of that. Um, because I, I'm not sure that I buy that he would come in and do what he he did. Um, just because we didn't get to spend that, time, uh, that kind of time with him. Um, that being said, the ending is great it's really powerful. And the last shot of, um, uh, the blue blood and the red blood meeting is just heartbreaking and poetic and beautifully shot. But, uh, but yeah, there, there's just a little too much, um, going on that, that didn't really, uh, mean much, especially in, in, uh, Minami's portion of the story. Um,
1: we should mention too, that, the, the people with blue blood, they, they always mention multiple – they mention multiple times in the movie that they have milder dispositions, um, and, and they basically have an inability to become angry for some reason. That's mentioned multiple times throughout the film, but there's never like a reason behind it. It's just something that came with the transition to having blue blood. Um, another conspiracy theory that kind of – just to, to drive the point home, there's a pop star – That's mentioned very early on in the film, Um, and she's given this role – a new role in this, like, soap opera thing, and um, she's basically told to go to this party by her agent, and she's at the same party with the humanoids, and that's where somebody – you see this, like, somebody uh, drop, like, a a bag of weed in her purse or something, and then she's taken – uh, the, the party's broken up by these agencies, like uh, government agents, and then she's taken to jail on these like, trumped up charges because of possession of, of drugs, and then she ends up killing herself. Well, it turns out the government knew she had blue blood, and that was the reason behind this. So, like there's all this government conspiracy stuff going on. You could have really cut that out. It wasn't really necessary. Um, but that's kind of like the, the rabbit hole stuff that happens a lot at the beginning half of this film. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, I I agree. Um uh I think it's a yeah, so it, it's a, 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 there's a amazing movie struggling to get out of what is a pretty good movie, really.
1: Um, now we haven't really talked about though some of the implications of uh, you know, blue blood. I mean, you know, just being different. <laughs>
0: Well yeah, I mean it, it I mean it's an allegory that we've seen how many times. We've seen it with Planet of the Apes, X-Men. I mean it's it's really that paranoia around something that you don't understand and for whatever reason you feel like it could harm you just cuz it's different. Um you know, uh, but I mean it, it's clearly a, an allegory for you know, the treatment of the the Jews in World War II. Um but uh, like, but yeah, basically, people are panicking because I mean, it', it so someone bleeding blue is freaky. What does it mean? Uh, is it a po? Are they poisoned? What are they?
1: But you know, at the end of the day, they're just like anyone else. <clears throat> it's that whole thing about uh, stuff we don't understand. Understanding scares the crap out of us. But at the same point, the one thing about this film is people actually getting milder dispositions and actually acting less angry yeah and being more kind and yet still getting treated worse <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, you know what i mean like that that whole thing i think that's um
0: uh, uh i mean that's just i mean the I, look at the times we're in now you know i mean this movie's still relevant unfortunately
1: Yeah, I mean, I I don't I don't talk about it often, but like because of the kind of work that I do and I work in I essentially work in HR where like I hire people for a living and I work with hiring managers. So, like, basically, I'm a recruiter and and people people come to me to basically find a person for a specific spot, right, a specific kind of skill set. I present a resume and a candidate and then they do the interviews and then afterwards they'll tell me we're going to either hire this person or not hire this person. But like I've seen discrimination, Based on unfortunately race color whatever like it still happens as much as people want to bury their head in the sand and because I've seen that like this movie is very relevant and it happens a lot like i've I had i mean I've had to go to a director and say dude your your employee is trying to get rid of guys based on the fact that they're literally not white I've had to have those kind of conversations and like the fact that people don't want to Talk about it is just oh yeah for me infuriating. Hey man,
0: I've lived it, man.
1: I, <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> I mean, it's
0: it's it's just it's disappointing that it's they these are conversations that we still need to have. <laughs> like,
1: yeah, it's it's maddening. Um, it's,
0: it's never going to go away. That's the that's the terrible thing. Yeah, I don't, I don't I think, think it is. <laughs> Maybe I'm just like you know all doom and
1: gloom, but. I, yeah, I mean, that's, I think that that's your, and some of us, I, you know, that more misanthropic, like just the distrust in people, but I've experienced it because of, of what I do in, in a movie like this, where it, it lays it out pretty like so clearly, where just discrimination and prejudice, like it's, it's all real. And as a 32 year old who has to like work with people of all different age groups and stuff. Yeah, it happens. I can tell you cause I've seen it firsthand.
0: Yeah, man, it's messed up. Um, I should mention. Uh, there are some familiar faces in this movie. Um, uh, Hideo Amamoto uh, has a bit part in here.
1: Dude, he? I was very what? What the hell was he doing in this? I wasn't. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know
0: exactly, but he he's one of the like government guys. I think. Um, I uh. I, I I is he just in everything that we review?
1: Yeah, basically. He he literally <laughs> is in everything. <laughs> like we were, I was watching one of the Echo Echo Azorak movies. He, yeah, he's there. in, in like, that what too. Are, what
0: is he doing here?
1: Uh but but he like makes an appearance and then he's gone and never comes back again like and he was so creepy in this that I thought Yeah, he was he weird. would make a return.
0: So a lot of familiar faces from the 70s era of of Toho like um the guy uh let's see the actor's name is Daigo Kusano um but uh he was the uh the alien on the boat in Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla uh the one that gets in the fight and then like half his face turns into dude, like the monkey face dude he's awesome um he's in here um uh Shin Kishida, who was the Interpol guy on, um... Terra Mechagodzilla, right? Uh, He's the Interpol guy from uh, uh, the original Mechagodzilla, but, Yeah, um, Yeah. Yeah, and he was also the, uh... He was the vampire in the Toho Dracula movies. Um, he's in there. Uh, Sachio Sakai, who, uh... You'd know him if you saw him. He's in a lot of the Godzilla movies, but he was the reporter in Godzilla 54. He's got a small part as a chauffeur in this. Um, Kuni Tanaka, who was like... Um, he was kind of like the the Japanese Van Helsing in um, Evil of Dracula. He's in here as uh, um, the girl that Oki is in love with. He's her uh, brother, I think. Um, a lot of familiar faces in there. Um, uh, also... Blue Christmas has a score by uh, Sato, who people know uh, from a lot of the June Fukuda Godzilla movies and a lot of Kurosawa stuff. Um, do, do you have any feelings about that score?
1: I thought it, it fit the film very well. Which, yeah, yeah I mean, that's true. Yeah, I mean, like, I... Um, I it was interesting before, because but.
0: I seem to hear, like, a little bit more, like, synth stuff in there. And, yeah, and, there and, was... Yeah. And when I think of Sato, I usually think of, like you know, a lot of like, you know, almost tribal sounding instrumentation and, you know, more jazz influences and stuff like that. But yeah, there was like some synthy stuff in there.
1: It was, it was different for sure. Um, but I, like, I, sp- I remember thinking like the very, the ending was so like, just depressing. And <laughs> I mean, what else, What, what when I think about the, the score for a movie, I always think about the way I felt and did it mesh well. And like that's why I hate the Godzilla 2014 score, because I felt nothing for the most part. And I remember the way that I felt when the film ended. And I just felt so like, man, I just had like my soul like just crushed. And, and that, to me, is, is a sign that the composer did a good job. So, I mean, all I can tell you is I, I thought it worked really well for the all most right, part. Well, he's awesome. This so. this movie will crush you.
0: <laughs> uh, all right, but it's it's hard to find because uh, it's never been released in the U.S. But there is a subtitled version floating around. Uh, I guess if anyone is interested in seeing it, I mean, let us know. We can point you in the right direction. Um, but uh, I I would recommend tracking it down, especially if you do like kind of downbeat. 70s style, um, like kind of thrillers and genre movies. Uh, like the, I could see someone like this is a movie someone like George Romero
1: probably would have appreciated, I think. Yeah. Uh, downbeat, downtrodden, outright depressing. <laughs> <laughs> um, not a, not a, uh, cheerful kind of, uh, Christmas story. No, uh I mean no.
0: but you know, I mean uh, yeah, but break it out on the holidays, you know, with some eggnog, you know, uh watch, you know, the Rankin Bass Rudolph special and uh you know, Peanuts <laughs> Christmas and A Christmas Story and yeah, follow that up with uh with some Blue Christmas, man. Your family will love the your family will love it.
1: Ah. Oh, so how many uh humanoid terrible beetle Boy band ripoffs. (laughs) Uh,
0: If this movie fixed up its subplots uh, and trimmed some stuff around, this could be a five, but I'm leaning into a three and a half. Um, There's so much of it that is just really good. Um, I do like the second story with uh, Oki a lot more than the first one. Um, and man, that ending—it just takes you out. On it's an incredible ending. It's depressing, but it's just amazingly shot and edited. And um, and yeah, like I said, the the last shot of the movie is just uh, brilliant. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, I'm I'm going into a three and a half here. I think.
1: Yeah, I'm at a three. I think there's there's a lot of. Uh, there's a lot of flaws in the first half, and there's a lot of good stuff in the second half. Um, the last, you know, half an hour is really, really good. But unfortunately, I think it suffers from being a little bit too long. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so I, I can't go any higher than the third. Yeah, track.
0: yeah, there's a little too much going on, but uh, it, it's worth tracking down, I think. Um, and, yeah, for Godzilla fans, like I said, you have some familiar faces. Um the influence on, um, I I mean, even if you look at the editing style of this movie, you know, a lot of the quick cuts and, um, you know, a, a lot of the times when characters come on screen, even characters that are only in a couple scenes, you know, they have the little text at the bottom. Um, the, the, influ- <laughs> yeah, the, the influence is definitely there. Um, a lot of meetings, a lot of meetings. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, not so many meetings here, but, uh, but yeah, you you'd see the uh, influence on Ano and um, and yeah, the blood type and Evangelion is all from this. But um, it's a cool little movie, and um, it probably should be seen a little more. So, um, so yeah, that that's Blue Christmas. Um, all right, uh, you you got anything to add about uh about this? Uh, be nice to people. Yes, please. Yeah, yeah, please, please be
1: nice to people. All right. Uh, All right, that's it.